Welcome back to the 573 Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Ebers, and today we are joined on the phone with Reese Johnson. Reese is a land specialist, real estate agent out of Kentucky and Tennessee, and if anyone knows Reese, they know that he spends a majority of his life in the woods, whether that be whitetail deer hunting, turkey hunting, shed hunting, or looking at those pictures from his infamous trail cameras. So we get to pick his brain a little bit today and find out his method to shed hunting and when he likes to go, what his perfect day shed hunting is, and where he finds those sheds. So I'm excited to present that to you guys, and I hope you enjoy. We'll jump right into it. All right, Reese, thanks for coming on. Got to find something to do this time of the year with it uh, season closing here in Missouri last week. And did uh, Kentucky close? Closed on Monday. Okay, and we're talking whitetail season Monday. here. Um, That's right. Yeah, how, how was your 2020 season? Uh, oh, well, it, it could have been better. Uh, it, it was a success in a lot of ways, um, but I did not add any antlers to the wall. I know you had a few so, trips, didn't you? I, it was kind of it's kind of crazy. I, I, approached, I approached my season a little differently this year than I ever have. <laughs> And uh, I essentially set myself a goal of killing one deer and one deer only. And that deer was my target for the entire year. And I went down swinging and then I basically made up my mind. I was not prepared to settle until essentially January, the last week or two of the season. I kind of hunted some other places for some other deer and actually shot a couple of does there. Uh, but outside of that, that's pretty much what I made my mind up to do was to focus on that. My one one target buck was actually well, I say one. One took most of my time. There were a couple, but one ended up getting shot. We can talk about that a little later. Um, but that made it easier to transition to just one instead of two. Um, so it was a success overall. Learned a lot. Did a lot of different things. Went to new places. Iowa. Um, I had a. I drew a zone six tag this year. It took five years. Uh, four four years worth of points. Fifth year to pull that tag. So spent. Um, I think it was twelve days in Iowa. Um, strictly hunting public, uh, except those last two days. So those were my two main focuses, and I did make a trip early season to Nebraska chasing antelope. Uh, and so besides those two, th- those things there, uh, it was a it was a good year overall. Spent a ton of time in the woods. Um, you know, it just ended, which I know Missouri's not far off. Uh, kind of similar similar thing there. So it just ended, and I'm actually I'm a little exhausted. I'm trying to recoup, get my mind right, take a few days off, yeah. start pulling cameras, and, and get back to walking. I can understand that for sure. Uh, you know, you had a great 2018 whitetail season. You had a great 2019 whitetail season. You know, so I guess 2020 just, you know, wasn't your year for the whitetails, but uh, you did kill a pretty cool animal just recently, is that right? A waterfowl yeah. animal, I believe. Yep, yeah, I actually uh, took the last two days of deer season off. I gave them up, called it quits early, threw in the towel, and I had an invite to go duck hunting in Southern Illinois, and uh, couldn't pass that up. I knew it was a quality place, and the second day we actually shot a mallard pintail drake hybrid, uh, which is now in the freezer, hopefully going on the wall soon. And so that was the first time I'd ever seen one of those. Uh, I've actually shot a black duck mallard hybrid previously several years ago. So I'll hopefully get that and put up next to next to him. And uh, it was a 
you know, I feel like a once in a lifetime bird, probably. Yeah, that's very so, cool. Really, it was really awesome. I, I was, I was shocked to see that on on your page. Uh, yeah, well, I don't, I don't, I don't do waterfowl much. I've only been four times this year. I'll say five times, I guess, this year. Uh, once for goose, four for duck, uh, a couple states, and but that was just one of those invites you don't turn down. And uh, we had a heck of a time. Shot uh, 16 first day, 18 second day. So I think it was worth it. I think it was worth it in the end. I gave up the last two days of deer season, but cannot say I did not give it a go. You know, go hard at it. Absolutely. Yeah. So rumor has it that you're the one that started the hashtag Trail Cam Tuesday. Is there any truth to that? That's my claim to fame. Yeah. You'd have to dig a long way back to see if it's true. Um, but that's my claim to fame. And if I wasn't the creator, I definitely was the promoter. Yeah. Um, that's kind of been something I've ran since back in the good old days when Twitter was king before Instagram even had a name. Uh, and, and Facebook was kind of before old people found it. <laughs> so <laughs> that's no that's offense. Kind of one of those things I've, I've, uh, I've claimed that title and, uh, that and pretty much, uh, shooting deer has pretty much been it for me yeah i mean i've used the the hashtag a few times but uh i just find your instagram account to be pretty unique you've got a long like list of excellent trail cam photos on your instagram and i guess that's my first question is how are you able to get such great photos i mean all my photos either (laughs) end up half the deer well it's uh when you when you run about a hundred of them, uh, odds are you're going to get lucky a time or two. Um, which I kind of stepped that game up a little bit this year and and added quite a few to the arsenal. That was one of my goals uh, for the year. And I do have an there's absolutely nothing that that uh, excites me more than popping open a camera and looking at that card and seeing what's on it. I mean that is just there's just something about those those things that have you know since day one. Uh, excited me and so I've you know perfected techniques and tried all kinds of crazy things I had stuck them on ponds and gotten choking pictures of banded wood ducks I've gotten you know I, I had a, a great series several years ago of uh, I put a camera in a and I actually was going to the farm and there's an old uh, wooden barn jumped up a buck out of there I put a camera on it and had what would be the barn buck um, you know a belt, a dude, he was bedding there in July when it was hot getting out of the sun uh, in that shade and, and I got some awesome truck cam pictures of him in there um, you know I've, I've seen deer bed underneath the camper that we had at our hunting cabin um, put a camera there got some decent pictures there I mean just all, anything you see any kind of crazy and it's just I just love uh, coming up with those and, and just seeing nature in general and all the neat things they do but yeah I do have a trail camera obsession it is without a doubt well, do you uh, do you leave your trail cameras out to kind of help you uh, get ready for this time of the year and that time being shed season? Well, I actually have still have all of my cameras out. I typically pull them uh, in the month of February. Okay. And then I usually put I usually put them back up in July. It's not a long break, but hopefully. It saves a little wear and tear on the cameras. You know, the only one I typically leave out year round is here uh, behind my house, um, or I might run one or two sporadically for turkeys, just trying to pick up a little more info. Uh, but but I don't do it a lot. 
But usually I try to bring them back in, you know, take out all the batteries, assess what I have, figure out how many I have, what didn't survive the season, what what's okay for next year, and figure out a plan. Um, I bought more this year than I probably should have um, or willing to admit. But <laughs> um, it was a good year. And, uh, you know, my my page, like you said, has turned into nothing but. But that I, I have more or less put my camera camera down and, and now my phone's just Picked up the trail pictures and that's just what gets me going and that's what I love and um, I, I vowed to actually try to get my one of my 20, 20, 20, 21 goals is to get my my big camera back out and try to do a little better job utilizing it again. Also, it's just one one thing I'm not good at. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to learn that struggle as well. Uh, so do you utilize your trail cameras to kind of get ready for the shed season? And, you know, what time of the year are you beginning to look for sheds and what de- determines your start date? Well, I mean, so I'm always looking. Um, last year I picked up over 100. Um, I think it was 108 is when I officially capped it, even though if you count what I found through the summer and fall, and be, and be higher. I usually don't count those. I try to count, you know, from what episode, whatever, January 1st through turkey season is kind of the window I keep track. Over 100 last year, 75 the year before, and somewhere in the 60s, uh, the two years prior. So I pick up quite a few, um, and I, I and I do enjoy it as well. I get out and walk a ton, cover a lot of ground, both private and public. Um, and I kind of have a method of the madness, and I'll try to break that down best I can for folks. You know, you can find them any time of the year, um, of course, but the way I perceive it, and this is there's no scientific truth to this, this is just kind of experience and, and uh, being out there a lot. You know, by, I'll say right now, it's January uh, 20th, you know, so I'll say Valentine's Day, maybe 50% will be on the ground. Um, and even right now, January 20th, so 25% roughly, these are just rough numbers, but so, you know, so you say 25% might be on the ground right now. I've got a few pictures of deer without antlers or with one side. Um, and then, you know, Valentine's Day, of course, it, it becomes more and more every, uh, every day as it passes. And then, you know, on up into March, uh, March 15th, and March 15th is kind of like my, at that point, 75% should be on the ground a huge, huge percentage, um, which I've actually seen deer carry them all the way into April. Um, it's not very common. I even jumped a, a really nice deer last year well into March, if not late March. Um, with both sides, he, he was really nice. I'd love to have had him. It's like, you know, it's kind of those things like you're out there walking around and you jump off big deer packing both sides and it's like, you know, what now? Like, you're just... But anyways... Um, well, I got a question, actually. I got a question. This year in particular, I've heard a, a lot of bucks dropping in December and early January. Do you think that some of these reports get overhyped, or do you think it actually changes from year to year? They do. Uh, very rarely will you ever have actual influences for deer, especially an entire herd, to drop early. Individually, um, you know, you might see a deer drop early if he's injured or malnourished or has some sort of issue that, you know, you can't see or you're unaware of it. And we're talking about an individual deer, but as a herd, this is a battle you can, and a conversation you hear every single year. Oh, they're dropping early. Oh, they're dropping early. Well, you know, they might, a handful. But as a whole, it's going to be very similar 
year to year. And I even read a study one time, and I couldn't find it. No, I couldn't tell you exactly, but there was a it was it was a, it was a research facility, probably some university, and they said a deer, which I assume this to be true. You know, you might want to double check, but they said a deer would shed within the same seven day period uh, from year to year. Um, each individual deer. So you know, the first week of March might be that um, time for that deer. And That's some interesting. Deer might be in January. Huh. Um, I had heard that. that. Might just be just an individual thing. Yeah, well, you know, that that's pretty interesting. Uh, you know, I hear a lot of the time that, you know, people tell you you look for sheds near fence crossings or creek crossings because that tends to be where they jump. You know, you get a little bit of the force in play there and you're they're likely to fall off there. What, you know, locations are you keying on, in on to find these sheds a majority of the time or where are you finding the majority of your sheds? This is my this is my approach um, that I, that I and, and this is what I feel comfortable doing, and, and you can utilize this as you as it fits your hunting situation and scenario. So every year, um, by, you know, like I said, I do both private and public. Um, the easiest place, without a doubt, to find sheds are fields, uh, be it CRP, just fescue pasture, bean fields. You know, bean fields are you know gimme's a lot of times. You know, so, so food sources, anything, even clover plots, you've got food plots, those are your, your gimmies. Um, if you have sole possession and sole ownership and you don't have to worry about anybody risking coming through and picking up your sheds, um, and, and, and I have some properties that I'm either the sole person that either looks for them or only has permission or leases or own or whatnot, and those places... I typically stay out of. Or and if I do go there, all I'll do is check those open fields uh, because I want those deer to stay in their bedding areas, stay in their patterns, and feel comfortable. Yeah, and okay. I want them to drop where they typically are, so I can find them later. So if I were to go check a bean field, you know, I might or a farm, I might only hit the bean fields in January, February, early March. Well, there comes a time. And the time is you're racing, you're racing uh, the green up. You know when things start to get warm, you're racing the green up because at that point it starts to get hard to find, hard to see. You know new sprouts, everything comes out. So when that when that happens, <clears throat> that's what you're fighting on on property that only you can shed on. Now if you're on property that other folks can can, can also be looking on, or maybe you're worried about some outside competition, I still stick to the same theories. You're gonna hit those fields more often. Make sure they're not in obvious, easy places. You're going to pick those up and you're going to start there. And then, once I feel comfortable, maybe maybe if I've got a particular deer in mind and he's off one side and maybe I picked it up or maybe I didn't, but if I have pictured or, or, or found it, whatever, I might push a little harder. <laughs> but usually early, I'm in the easy places. And then a lot of it, I will stagger my places and my farms and my, and my places to look on purpose. So like, if I'm doing public or permission farms or anywhere that I'm worried about other people finding a specific deer, I might put a little more pressure on them. I might hit them more often and earlier. And then I might take my other farms and they might sit there for a little while and I will wait till everything's on the ground and go hit those later. Um, so, so kind of a, <clears throat> that's kind of my time frame on how I approach that. Okay. Um, and then if you, 
and if you want to, and if you've only got limited places, then you can keep hitting the fields repetitively uh, if you really want to get out there before you get into the bedding areas. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, key in on those low stress areas earlier, and then kind of, if you have these permission or public spots where you know other people are probably looking key on them maybe a little bit earlier or more often and then go to your more prime time spots later in the season where you know those antlers will probably still be there. So that, yeah, that's kind of my approach on it. And then is, you know, if you want to dive into, which we can, as far as where exactly to look for them, um, I can kind of go, and go, kind of go into that now. Yeah, um, definitely. Go for it. I find, let's see, I'll do the math here. Of approximately 100 antlers, which is a good number because then you can use easy percentages, I found, I'm going to ballpark here, about 30 to maybe 40% in food sources. Okay. So 30, 30 to 40 antlers in cornfields, bean fields, food plots, uh, pasture, you know, CIP, pasture ground, you know, that kind of thing. And, and, you know, in my head, the reason that happens is that, and most of that's at night. You know, that's when they fall. And they're out there, they're, they got their head down, they're moving their head up, down, they're bumping around, they're, maybe they're nudging on another deer, uh, you know, which they'll still do that stuff this time of year. Um, but they got their head down, they're active, they're moving it. And so I think a good percentage of them, I'd say a third of them, are going to fall uh, in those type areas. Okay. And those are your, your easiest types to pick. For um, sure. So essentially, if you're trying to, all right, this is my, I've got a specific buck, or, or maybe I don't, but my deer generally, what you, you know, deer are very simple this time of year. They're, they're trying to be efficient with their energy and their food. And so you're talking about bed to food and back. Uh, they're not making any, you know, on a rut, they might go off on a tangent and go do this, go do that, um, and get crazy with it. Well, right now, they're more or less trying to, in the cold weather, um, trying to make the most of their, their energy. So they're going to be bad to food specifically, and if you can configure out what that is, and a lot of times they won't bed that far. Um, if you can figure out what that is, you can find quite a few antlers, especially if there's a predominant food source, uh, like a standing bean field or, or uh, maybe maybe it's just a cut, a cut crop field of some sort. Or wheat field, maybe somebody came planted a cover crop. I picked up wheat. Wheat can be a huge uh, advantage. Uh, I picked up more than more than ten antlers in a single wheat field before. So they kind of uh, pop out, you know, in that green. Right, and they love that green. So if, it, if that green, if that wheat was planted early enough, and the weather is conducive enough that you get a, some some fresh vegetation there, one that right when they're dropping, uh, wheat can be a really good spot if you can, a really good place to find some antlers if. Uh, if it times out right and you've got enough deer and it works out well. Well, um, I mean... You can do, so that right there is another another option. Yeah, it makes sense uh, that the when you put it like that, that, you know, this time of the year, it's food, food, food for the most part. So, mm-hmm. obviously, they're dropping this time of the year, so that's where they're likely going to be. So, you found a third of them in food. So, I... Anywhere else? that you would locate well, or key in on? So, so, so I said 30, 40% there, so that leaves another 60% out there. I would go ahead and designate another 30, 40% to bedding. Um, a lot of times on the sides of slopes, a lot of times if I'm, if I'm walking to my on or a topo, 
I'm going to usually follow the, the darkest contour line. I'm not going to be on top. I'm not going to be on the bottom. I'm going to be walking midway around um, on the side of the ridge. That way I can see up. That way I can see down. Uh, very commonly, those deer will, you know, they walk the tops, they walk the bottoms, and they walk the sides. But I, in my opinion, they most times feel most comfortable right on the edges of the top or on the side. Especially, on, and you can hear it, south-facing slopes. And I do think there's some uh, some value in south-facing slopes. Um, a lot of folks don't have enough acreage to really find many south-facing slopes. Um, and especially down, even as far south as we are, it may not be as important as for the folks that are up north, uh, because our deer down here have more options. And so on a warmer, milder winter, uh, the deer will not be as condensed, they can be more spread out, they have more food options. On a truly uh, cold winter, harsh winter when there's snow and ice and, and less food to be had, or maybe it was a bad mass crop, you know, it can condense those deer. And you might pick, if you've got decent food, you might pick up every deer for two or three square miles or, or further and all the antlers will follow suit. And so you might pick up sheds. I mean, I've got numerous sheds on private ground when we had food plots or food in general from deer that we never had a picture of and never saw again. But, you know, a, a good, good shed from several deer, like, man, this is, you know, this is nice. Where did this deer come from? I have no idea where this deer came from. Uh, and never saw him again, you know, in the future. Uh, he just came for the food. And you see that kind of stuff, you know, on TV and, food plots and stuff when people have that kind of late season drawing power uh, as they call it so 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 30 40 percent in food i'd say another 30 40 percent in beds uh, a lot of times you'll find i have found some very picturesque sets laying on points of ridges overlooking big bottoms where you know you can sit there and look you know obviously you find a set of sheds you know a big deer laid here and he overlooked this and he had the wind blowing over his back and, and was overlooking that bottom um and, he, and somewhere they feel safe and so 30, 40% there, and the remaining 20% are going to be on trails, essentially to and from, uh, bedding the food. You've got fence crossings, creeks, we're going to fall into that. You know, you will find some on top of ridges, you will find some in the bottoms, but odds are that's just going to be a random antler fall as they are moving back and forth uh, to where they need to go. Okay. And this might be a little bit uh, repetitive, but, you know, how often is it that for a specific location when you're finding these sheds that you're likely going to find sheds in the following years in the same area? Or does that, dif- um, is that change from year quite, to year based on crops? No, it's, it's quite common, um, truthfully. I mean, there's a lot of spots that you can walk year after year uh, and keep producing. And you'd be surprised, especially if it's a farm you have access to year after year, um, how many you'll miss. Even somebody that's seasoned and picked up many, you're like, man, I, I know I walked this. And you pick up a last year's antler because it's bleached out and it's a little wider and you can see it. So you know, so either, either it dropped later than you were in there, or B, you just simply missed it. Um, and, and it's crazy how well they, they blend and how hard they are to find. Well, um, I, of, the, of the 100 last year, I picked up, I only ended up with eight sets so that makes 16 antlers came from sets and only i will say five of those roughly were side by side or within eyesight of each other okay that brings me to my next question actually uh what type of forecast conditions 
is the perfect day for Reese Johnson to go looking for some sheds. What's that kind of day look like? Uh, I love a good, rainy, overcast day. Um, anything with the clouds are out and it's drizzling, it's nasty, nobody else wants to be out. And you can do it without the rain also, or right after rain especially. When those leaves are dark, those antlers are light, mostly, and they pop. When you're out there in a bright, sunny day, and you're walking through the woods, and you've got shadows, and you've got sun, and they're mixing, especially, you know, midday, you're in big timber, that can make it very deceiving and very hard and very easy to miss samplers. When you're there and it's rainy and it's dark and overcast, they pop, especially most antlers are lighter colored than the leaves. Uh, there are, you know, you, you will see some chocolate deer, and, and, you know, that happens, and they're dark, but even those, they still pop more so on those rainy days. So I love a good overcast day, um, and if I see if I'm going to get that, I will much rather go walk on one of those days and then take a nice pretty day to go, you know, work on something else. Okay. Or, you know, be at, my, be at my job or accomplish something, move a stand, something like that. Uh, those are those are more sunny days, and then, and then those overcast days are, are really when you can pick them out. Well, that's I, funny that you say that. You know, my, one of my best shun, shed hunting days came from, uh, it was a downpour, but we still shed hunted anyways, and we ended up finding the most sheds that I'd ever found. So I'd have to agree with you on that one. Yeah, and so that... I, I really, I really look for those days on my calendar, especially when I know in the month of February, in the month of March, you know, at least up until March fifteenth, and then, and then you kind of start thinking about turkeys and then getting ready for that. Um, and once your green out comes, you know, you're inevitably going to find a few during turkey season um, from usually those deer that hold later, or maybe you're just out and about and you stumble on one. But, but yeah, those those February nasty, rainy, overcrowded days that most people hate are what I absolutely love. <laughs> okay well note taken and uh i have stumbled on a couple during turkey season as well just i think it's inevitable you know you're out there so long chasing them turkeys that sometimes you just happen to fall into one but uh sure. so have you found any sheds so far this year you know i'm actually behind uh just actually was thinking about that today so Deer season carried on so long because I ate my buck tag that um, by this point last year, I had been scouting since mid-December, early January. And I had been at it, moving cameras, walking, checking new public, checking old public, checking, you know, moving things around um, public, private down. You know, we bought a small farm. I was working, I worked hard on that in, in March of last year, getting that ready. And so there's, you know, I'm behind. Um, and, and it's kind of funny. I, I've talked to a couple buddies today, but you know, I actually had some free time. Well, I slipped off and, and tried to do some walking, and I didn't do much. I hit. It. I was very, I very lightheartedly hit it January twentieth, and uh, you know, I just covered some fields and I actually checked as many. I checked some cameras more so than I did uh, shed on, and there was still plenty of deer packing, uh, including one of the deer. I'm, I'm hoping to you know pick his antlers up. He. He had them both uh, took a couple of days ago, so I mean I know that, and I'm not super worried about that because he's still wearing them around. Um, so knowing that, I actually have not picked up any antlers, and that puts me behind on last year's count. At this point, I should, based off of my 
pictures on my phone, which I looked at today, I'm behind, and I think I picked up, I was already at four or five by this point last year. So I had some work to do. What are your uh, goals for this year? I know that you've you found quite a bit of sheds in the past, and I know you mentioned that earlier in the episode, but what are your goals this year? Trying to top it? Well, no, no, I, I'm going to – I do not want to attempt to top it. Uh, <laughs> 75 would be a good number. Okay. I would be, I would be very happy with 75. Um, if I crack 100, that would be great. Maybe if we go on lockdown uh, and no – and Biden says we can't do anything, well, maybe I'll have that kind of time. I hope to uh, work a little harder this spring and make a little more money so I can um, take more time off in the fall and, and go more places. And that's kind of my that's kind of my goal. So, so, yes, I do have certain deer that I need to, I feel like I really want to spend some time looking for those sheds. But outside of that, this is not a year for me that I'm trying to break the record and, and hit 150, not, not by any means. I don't think that that's... That year is not this year, I don't think. Okay. You know, if, if we get to the point where we can't do anything and there's nothing else to do but go walk, well, maybe so. And that's what we'll be I'd doing. Go, I'd like to, 75 would make me happy. Okay. Yeah, it'd make me happy too. I don't think I've found much over 20, but you definitely put the miles on uh, compared to me, that's for sure. Well, I'll say this. Uh, my schedule allows me to do so. Uh, in any free minute I get, um, I go walking. I just I do enjoy it more so than anything. I probably walked close to 400 miles based off my calculations and looking at it over the course of um, through end of January into all, all the way up to 30 feet and looking for antlers last year. So I, so I covered some miles um, on purpose uh, looking for those antlers. And I want to say something. A lot of folks say, and I get this all the time, especially when I'm posting about antlers or sheds and you know, I was like, and I don't know if they take, you know, people struggle to find them or spot them or figure it out. And it's kind of one of those things where, and it even happened for me, I remember vividly the very first antler I ever found on my own. And it was like, once you spot that first one, there's just something about it. And it clicks. And then you spot that second one. And it does continually get easier as your eyes and as your brain adjusts to pick out what you're looking for. Those G2s and those G3s curving, or maybe whether it's tines down or tines up, there's something about those that you will, in due time, as you pick up more and more, learn to gravitate towards it and recognize um, in the field. Okay. And I also cannot say enough <clears throat> about having a good set of binoculars on your chest when you're walking around out there. Uh, there's a lot of times that with, my, with the naked eye, I could be looking at a field and see nothing, but then I'll pick up those binoculars and glass it. And they're like, well, they're, well, obviously right there, hey, there's an antler at 75 to 100 yards that I would have clearly overlooked if I had not had those binoculars. Yeah, yeah, you you beat me to the punch on that one. That was uh, one of my questions. Is there is there any other equipment that you would bring out or just a set of good binoculars? Well, that, that's pretty much all I carry because a lot of times you end up in some gnarly, nasty stuff. You know, I usually, and a lot of times I'm wearing sweatpants, and knee boots um, that I can that I can get wet uh, that may or may not have a hole in them. Uh, <laughs> my shed hunting clothes are usually not my nice clothes because you're going through thickets, you're going to get cut up, you're going to get some scratches. And binoculars, and I can't pretty much keep a set of binoculars and a tube chapstick. Other mm-hmm. than that, maybe my phone with Onyx tell me where I'm going, where you've been, uh, and that's that's pretty much it. Okay. Um, 
I guess I kind of just sparked one up here. Did did uh, do you cover some of the same spots you already hit every now and then? Like uh, I, I've been through this area. Do you go back at a later date just to double check, triple check? There are there are areas that I will hit uh, over and over. There are certain fields that I feel like a particular deer could lose his antlers in that I'm worried other folks are also looking in, be it permission or lease or public, that I will hit time and time again. Um, and there's some fields that I might walk four, five, six times from the month of January all the way into March, making sure, because one of my biggest fears, especially for deer that means something to me, deer that I've got a lot of history and time with, um, you know, are, are those antlers being somewhere very obvious and me missing them. Uh, they, oh, you know, if, if they found them, you know, up in the thicket, uh, turned down, you know, in a bed, and, and I missed that, well, that's one thing. But if it's laying right out in the middle of the wide open bean field and I missed that, I would, I, and, and I found out later, I'd be, I'd be pretty sick over that. <laughs> yeah, it, it, as serious as you are about shed hunting, yeah, I can see, I can see why. Um, any other tips or tricks that we didn't get to cover so far that? Um, you'd like to touch on about shed hunting? You know, I just, the, the main thing is just, it's just walk. I mean, there's a lot of people say, I had a, a good buddy, I'll call him out here, um, the budget hunter, TJ from Wisconsin. He said his goal was 30 miles. Um, I said, 30 miles, son, you're going to have to step that up. 30 <laughs> miles won't get you, won't get you anything around. You know, you're going to, you know, especially when I know that and it's going to vary across the country, but I'll say it this way. On, on private land, I average two miles walked per shed. On, on public land, I look at about three miles walked per shed. Okay. Um, and that's with, that's with my eyes. You know, I, I feel like I know what I'm looking for. That's what I, based off my data, can, can put together. Uh, maybe somebody else can do one for one or five for one if you don't know what you're looking for. So, so you just kind of use that. I feel like that's a pretty good rule of thumb. But, you know, and I told him, like, 30 miles, that's not going to get you near what you want, in my opinion. Um, and then also don't overlook the late, the value of late season, you know, shed hunting. While you're out there, you know, yes, it's cool to find antlers. That's, you, know, you can keep them forever. I've got boxes and boxes, and I love to go out there and look at them and reminisce, and they fascinate me. But don't get so caught up in antlers that you don't see the rubs, see the scrapes, see the trails, see the transitions. You know, when I'm in an area, especially an area that I think I'm going to hunt, a lot of these areas are sanctuaries that I won't go into unless I'm hunting or during shed season only. I might stay out of them and just hunt food plots. So when you're in these areas, really try to take advantage of what you're seeing and make the most of it. Take notes. Onyx, man, if I can show you my Onyx, there's so many pins, it's unreal. And, you know, I'm marking almost every scrape, every saddle, every trail, every anything that makes them. And I take a ton, a ton of pictures, too. Um, Most times it's antlers, but, you know, I'll take pictures of rubs, I'll take pictures of things. And then if a deer that is on my priority list is in that area, I'll go back and look at my records because I don't have the best memory. I don't. And I don't like to write things down. That's not my style. 
But those pictures will tell me, it's like, they are my log. Like, well, at this point last year, just like I was saying earlier, I know at this point last year, I'd already found five or six antlers. So I'm behind on last year if I was attempting to beat it. Now I'm not. I'd rather just find a few antlers that mean something to me than find a hundred again. But, you know, take notes, make those waypoints, mark them, and, you know, someday, who knows when it'll be, but if there's a buck in that area that draws your attention and you want to dive in middle of November and go hunt it, well, you remember, hey, there was a scrape here I picked up during shed season, and it looked very much like a community scrape, so you're going to dive into there, go maybe just, you know, hang and hunt on that spot. Or throw a trail camera or something. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's all good stuff. It, it sounds like if your New Year's resolution this year was to get back in shape, that shed season is the way to go because you're oh, finding sheds. I tell you what, son, I will lose 15 pounds every February and March. And you can go ahead and guarantee it, and I lock it in, that I will <laughs> walk enough to um, bring the dad bod and the Christmas weight back on down and go into turkey season a little lighter. Well, there you go, folks. There's the secret. It's nice for that. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, if uh, if we're all shed hunted out, I guess you know we can wrap it up. And uh, I appreciate you coming on, Reese. I know that you do some uh, realty stuff. I don't know if you are just strictly for Kentucky, or if you uh, you can help guys out find some land outside of Kentucky. So why don't you kind of well, throw your plugs up in there? Yeah, well, I'm licensed real estate broker in Kentucky and Tennessee. Um, that is my full-time job, and that's what I do around the clock. I help folks find farms along at, along with homes. You know, I do I do houses as well um, and some commercial, too. So I do a little bit of everything. Um, you know, if you're looking for Kentucky, I live I'm a, I specialize near Paducah, the western end of the state. That's kind of where I'm out of, um, and then western Tennessee as well. So if you need something there, um, and then also, you know, anything shed hunting related or deer related, um, do not hesitate to send me a, a message. I'd be more than happy to help folks. Uh, my Instagram is Reese Johnson 7 and that's R-E-E-S-E. Hopefully it won't be too hard to find me. Uh, lots of truck and pictures. That's kind of just the thing these days. That's what I've got a ton of, so that's what's out there. Um, but yeah, I'd like to, I do, I do love to help folks, especially uh, beginners in the hunting world. Any way I can, I'll be happy to answer any questions. Um, it's just something that I've been fortunate to grow up doing. Uh, my dad was a—he graduated from Mississippi State with a wildlife biology degree, you know, at the Deer Lab. So I've, you know, I've had a very—and he manages National Wildlife Refuge. So I've had a very strong conservation and wildlife background, um, which kind of led me to farms and real estate down the road. Um, so, so those, with, with those kind of things, that, that's been my entire life, and that's what I love doing, and I'd be happy to share that um, with all my, you know, that's one thing I'm very passionate about, and I'd love to be able to share that with anybody that has any kind of questions. Well, Reese, I, I appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your passion with us, and uh, I know you've got a lot of information in your back pocket. I'm going to apply some of those tactics we talked about today, and uh put them to the test so once again thanks reese for coming on and uh you know hopefully we'll get you on i know that you got some some cool uh trail cam theories as to help you with your hunting season too but um that we'll get into at a later date hopefully but uh that's that's all today 
I appreciate. Right, I'll be happy to come back anytime. Awesome, awesome. Well, uh, we'll wrap it up now and uh, see you on the next one, folks.